When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, I'm Dan Lobby. We've got Ashley Bastock here, Mary Kay Cabot, Irie Harris. We are, as we've sort of been doing recently, kind of foregoing our traditional uh, game preview pod, because obviously with the Browns out of the playoffs, we're sort of starting to spin things forward a little bit uh, into next season already. Uh, But we will have picks coming up later. We will have Lance Reisland coming up with his scouting report later. So we will have all of that normal stuff uh, coming up as well. Doug is not with us. He is in the beautiful state of Georgia covering the Ohio State Buckeyes uh, semifinal game on Saturday night. So it's just the four of us. I thought today we'd kind of go to something we like to do sometimes in the offseason, which is everybody kind of comes up with a question. It can be big picture. It can be kind of over these next two games, the rest of the season. Everybody comes up with a question. We throw it out. We discuss it. That would be our first segment here. So Mary Kay, you said you had one for us. So what what have you got? Yeah, I'm going to start with a a hot topic that we've all been talking about a lot. And uh, one that is is definitely in the news. And uh, we even talked to him today. So uh, my question is, should Joe Woods return as the Browns' defensive coordinator in 2023? Um, I'll, I'll let you. I want to hear what you guys have to say, and and I'll weigh in along the way. But just, uh, I just think that this is uh, something on the minds of a lot of fans. This is the topic, Ashley. We sat there and listened to Joe Woods today. Um, it didn't sound like someone who was super confident that he was going to be the defensive coordinator beyond this year. But I think this is a question of how much of it was coaching, how much of it was talent, how much of it was guys getting hurt, right? There's so many levels to this. And I know you just wrote about um, the the slow starts defensively. So, I mean, this is kind of the topic du jour, I guess. Does does that even mean anything? Or did I just make that up? (laughs) I don't know. just made up a new phrase. No, I think so. Like, I do think this is a really interesting discussion. And I do think, like, we tend to have some nuanced, like, views and opinions on this. And I've kind of been saying, you know, as this has become the hot topic of discussion, especially over the last, like, week and a half plus, like, do I think Joe Woods deserves... Uh, you know, some of the blame for this defense. Of course, he's the defensive coordinator. Like, that's automatic. But I do think if you get rid of him in some ways, he is going to become kind of a scapegoat and it's not going to solve all your problems because I do think there are some serious personnel problems with this defense. Now, I do think there are certain things Joe Woods could have done better to, you know, help mitigate some of these problems. I think it's a problem that he's coming out and saying, you know, I asked him about 
these slow starts two years in a row. And he says, I can't really put my finger on it. Like when there really was no reason for the slow start this year, I think you can look at last year and say, okay, a lot of these guys were new. There were a lot of injuries. It wasn't a normal off season, but this year it was a normal off season. All these guys were back. Yes, there were some injuries, but every team has to deal with injuries. You know, I think that excuse only takes you so far. Um, So my bet right now, like if I had to say, is he going to be the defensive coordinator next year? It's no. Um, should he be? I'm also leaning towards no, just because I feel like the problems have spanned across different facets of this defense between the pass defense and the run defense over the last two years. So I do think maybe you do need to change the voice in the room to help fix that disconnect. Um, but all of that being said, there's the caveat that don't be surprised if they get rid of him and there's still some of these problems that we've been seeing the last two years because I think it goes deeper than the coordinator and has a lot to do with the personnel and how they've built this defense and neglecting, so to speak, certain areas, particularly at the front of the defense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Joe Woods could be the scapegoat and maybe <clears throat> things are still an issue. <laughs> you know, I mean, what do you think? What's your answer to this one? My answer to this is when it comes to losing franchises, usually in, in the NFL, 32 teams, whenever there's something going wrong, you know, they'll say, all right, we got to get the right people in office or we got to get the right people in place. They go on and do that. Even if it's not instant, maybe it takes a few years. For the Browns, well, I think all you all can attest to this respectfully. When it comes to that, it's taken my whole lifetime and some of every single season saying we got to get the right people in place, got to get the right people in position in the front office, you know, out there on the staff, on the field. To fire Joe Woods would be to continue that cycle. I'm not saying that he deserves to uh, be fired. I, I would not wish another man to lose his job, especially within that sense. But the resume this season does not support that at all. But to do so would, would be to continue the cycle and point, pinpoint somebody <clears throat> uh, being the scapegoat for the problems of this unit. You know, I mean, it's going on right now with people wondering, okay, Baker's not here no more on that. So you guys blame the 89 season last season on who was it going to be this time? It's not going to turn to whoever else it may be offensively. Now, defensively, it's been Joe Woods. The fire hand w- would be to continue that cycle, so I don't believe that that should be the case. What I think should be the case is diving into the deeper issues, just like Ashley had said. There were so many issues deeper than just Miles Garrett taking plays off or Joe Woods you know, being on the hot seat, and it goes down to the management and to the ownership. That would be the biggest mistake they could make in the offseason, thinking that everything is all right. There has to be a sense of communication and an understanding from everybody. I'm talking from the the custodians all the way to the Haslam's. If they really want to, if they really want to, you know, walk it like they talk it, with them wanting to win a Super Bowl. Because right now, they're not making the playoffs. Yeah, Mary Kay, I think that's like I don't think Joe Woods is going to be back, and I I don't I'm not going to make the case for him to be back. This is your three now in this defense. We all expected better from this defense. We didn't get it. But I also don't think it's all Joe Woods' fault. And I think, you know, again, this sort of goes to, like, like I reset last year, right? There was a really easy scapegoat. It was Baker Mayfield. This year, it feels like there's a really easy scapegoat, and it's Joe Woods. Eventually, you do start running out of scapegoats. Eventually, you do start looking at, like, you know, maybe it wasn't Joe Woods. Maybe it was the people picking the players. Uh, or maybe we overrated some of these players, Right. 
So I don't know if firing Joe Woods is going to fix everything, but I do think you you take too big of a risk to say we're going to bring him back and this team's going to be healthy. Maybe we're going to make some small staff changes under him. And then you're sitting there in October and the defense is giving up big plays and, and not communicating and guys are talking about watching film again. I think that's the risk in bringing him back. And I think that's too great with what's at stake um, going into next season. Yeah, it certainly has the vibe of uh, of him being gone. There is that feeling that sort of is pervasive as we move about the building. I mean, it just kind of has that feeling about it. But I actually don't know if I think it's the right thing to do uh, because I think there were a lot of extenuating circumstances uh, this year. I think that they did have a lot of uh, injuries on defense. I thought they had a lot of lack of continuity. I thought they didn't necessarily stock the middle of the defense the way that they could have uh, from a defensive tackle standpoint. I thought from a linebacker standpoint, I know from a linebacker standpoint, they lost one guy after another. Um, I think they felt like some guys were going to really step up and have these great seasons, and it didn't necessarily happen. Is that because of coaching, or is that because the players were overrated? Uh, I think in the final analysis, the front office will probably determine uh, that they need to be coached a little differently or something. Um, But I I don't necessarily know if I agree with uh, firing Joe Woods. I really don't, actually. Um, one of the things that I, that I also think is, is important is um, when you have uh, a really good minority coach who's trying to rise up through the ranks uh, and who is starting to get into that pipeline for possibly be, being looked at as a, um, you know, as, as a head coaching candidate, I think you have to, you know, really think long and hard about um, potentially hurting his career. I don't think the NFL has done a really great job uh, with promoting and developing minority coaches and giving them the opportunities that they deserve. And certainly, I think then once they are in the positions that they're in, they need to be supported. They really need to be supported with the right personnel. Um, and, you know, and I don't think you should pull the plug on them too soon. I, I just don't think the NFL has done a great job with all of, of that. Um, and so I think that he, you know, was a little deficient in talent and personnel in, from the defensive tackle standpoint. And um, I think he tried to dial back the defense when some guys just weren't getting certain things. And I think he tried to do the best that he could with a challenging situation. Now, if they feel certain guys need to be coached up differently, I think they can, you know, change things up enough to, um, you know, to to give him, you know, some assistance in that regard. I think there are some guys that feel that they could have been used differently or their roles have can, could have been different. And if that's, you know, if that's the case, then, um, you know, then kind of bump somebody up a little bit more and make them the assistant defensive coordinator or, you know, something where they have an elevated role and they can help out a little bit. Um, But I just don't, I don't think they should pull the plug on him. I, they probably will. He probably will take the fall for this weird defensive season. Uh, But I would like to see that not happen. I I think that if they're going to pull the plug on Joe Woods and, and, you know, 
I, I think you have to. They also need to make sure they're looking at all the other pieces. Um, you know, why did we end up with these defensive tackles? Why did we not value that enough? Are, are they going to change that or is that going to be the same thing? Because if it's the same thing, you're just going to have the same problems. Um, so I, I think it has to be a much deeper, kind of like what Ivory was getting at. It has to be a deeper a deeper dive than just, hey, we're going to fire the defensive coordinator and make him the scapegoat and everybody's happy coming back in the spring. Um, okay, let's move on. I'm going to throw mine out there because this this continues the... Man, we're just talking firings. Uh, this continues the firing talk, sort of, sort of. You might not have an answer to this. Your answer might be nothing, but this is sort of a fill in the blank. I think we all agree Kevin Stefanski is safe. He's not going anywhere. My my question is, or my, my fill in the blank statement is, the one thing that would change that for me is blank. I know what mine is, but I'm going to wait to give you mine. Maybe somebody will throw mine out there too. Kevin Stefanski is safe, but the one thing that would change that for me is blank. Who wants to go first? Mary Kay, go ahead. I can go first on this. The one thing that would change that is if Deshaun Watson came out and said, can't work with this guy. This is not going to work for me. I need something different. I want to run the spread. I want whoever to come in here. This is inequitable. I can't make this work. I'm saying the right things publicly, but that's not how I really feel. I absolutely 100% need something different to happen. I don't see any of that being true or happening, but that is the one way in which he would not come back. Yeah. And like you said, he's been pretty strong. I thought he was pretty strong publicly today. I thought, I thought last week when he said that Kevin Stefanski was the reason he came here, there were kind of levels to that. Like there was, there was him kind of deflecting the contract a little bit. And, you know, that wasn't as strong as he, I mean, for him to come out again in a second time and basically really say he wants to work with Kevin Stefanski, I thought was, was important. Um, Ashley, you got an answer for this one? I honestly, my answer is Mary Kay's answer. Like truly, I think that is the only, the only thing, right? I mean, you sold the farm as a franchise to get to Sean Watson. And it's not about what fans on Twitter might think of Kevin Stefanski. It's about what your $230 million quarterback thinks of Kevin Stefanski. So I think as long as those two are on the same page, his, his future here is strong um, and really, like Mary Kay said, I mean, I don't think there's any other scenario where his job becomes in, in immediate danger unless those two had some major, major falling out and Deshaun lost all faith in his ability to run this offense and work with him. Irie, you and I were on the same page. I didn't expect it. You and I were on the same page on an answer last week. I'm curious if we're going to be, if that's going to happen again, if we're going to be in the same wavelength. What was that? Oh, it had to do with the. It was uh, something about we both wanted edge rushers. That's right. Yeah, I mean, regarding Stefanski, when it comes to him and Watson, um, they're just it, it's it's complex at least for me in this case because I remember even at the beginning of the season, I don't know if I had fully made the clearly made my point, but I just remember saying like, I'm just not totally sold on Stefanski being this full offensive. Genius that would make this big, even though there's been some proof in the in the in the pudding, it just won't show. I think 
this season when it comes to adjustments because Stefanski has a lot of, of many ways to go. But I definitely believe that Watson will make it a bit easier for him just because of the caliber of, 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 of a player that he is. Well, we've seen him at his best on a team making receiver, making wide receiver options out of guys that are not in the league, you know, or on their way out of the league. So when it, it does come to uh, Stefanski, I think there does have to be a sense of control and a balance as to what you are comfortable with and what I believe can, can work for us. There does have to be a sense of balance, but sometimes they're going, it, the establishment for the past can become too much. I think last Saturday showed a, a bit of that. They ran 62 total plays. 31 of them were passing. 31 were rushing. But but the difference was there was barely, nearly negative uh Win out, cold win out there for Watson to throw in, and he threw the ball 31 times. When it comes to something like that, there was no reason for that. Andy Dolan had 92 passing yards and still left first Energy Stadium with a W. When it comes to Watson and his plays, there's no need, at least early on, to get him set within the shotgun. Get his layers going. You can get an RPO. You can get a, you can get an option scheme going. And the further on you get, the spread, the further on from there becomes longer passes. But as long as there's an understanding between both of them, Stefanski and Wallace will be fine. Okay, so my answer to this was the only thing that would change Kevin Stefanski being safe for me is something that is highly, highly, highly unlikely to happen. And I don't know if the Browns would have the assets to even pull it off if it did happen. Ashley knows where I'm going with this. (laughs) The only thing that would change that for me is if somebody in the Browns front office got a phone call from Sean Payton and he said hey you know what I think I'd really like to coach in Cleveland I think I'd really like to coach Deshaun Watson that would because that would just be such a clear nothing against Kevin but that would just be a level up that would be like when the Browns went out and acquired Deshaun Watson last year and replaced Baker Mayfield that would be the only thing that would make me say you don't bring Kevin Stefanski back next year I suppose there's a scenario where these last two games are just a complete disaster. Then maybe that, that heat gets turned up a little, but Mary Kay, I I think that's the only thing that would make me change my thought that Stefanski is safe. And I say that because it's just, it's so unlikely. I think that it would happen. Um, So I, I think that's how unlikely it is that there's a new head coach of this football team next year. Yeah, I mean, it certainly is interesting. And it's, you know, it's it's food for thought. There's no question about it. And uh, Sean Payton is, a, you know, starting to assemble a staff. And I'm sure he's got designs on where he would like to end up. And um, I really haven't seen anything, you know, too definitive. I haven't seen him completely linked with, with any one team yet. Have you, Dan, have you seen or heard speculation? I I, I, just I, I have not. It always feels like the Cowboys are out there. And I think yeah. the Chargers were kind of out there until recently when they, you know, they've made the playoffs. And I think Brandon Staley's probably about as safe as can be. I don't, I don't know what the obvious place for him is right now. That's, I think that's the, the problem. I know. I know. It's, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Um, but I, I just don't, I don't see it happening here. And I still do think that they, you know, they want that continuity and that they believe in Kevin. And I think that when Andrew Barry tells us at the bye week, they feel as strongly about him as they did uh, when they first hired him. I, I'm going to take him at his word for that. And I think that they really want to see what he can do 
you know, with this elite quarterback that he has. So, um, so I, I think they're going to maintain the status quo. But if, I, I guess, if Sean Payton made that call, the Browns wouldn't hang up on him, right? Do, do you no. think they would at least have to consider, at least look into it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, they are committed to doing anything possible um, to improve this football team. And certainly if you have an opportunity uh, to get, you know, a Hall of Fame coach, you would absolutely 100% at least listen and look into it. Um, so it's definitely something, you know, it's definitely something to think about. Uh, and it's fun to kind of kick around the notion. But, um, yeah, they, they would listen for sure. And they would have to at least um, at least consider it. I mean, look, Cleveland is cold. You can't really golf here, um, at least, you know in the winter months. I, I don't know. I don't think the Browns don't have draft picks to give to new Orleans uh, to get him here. Um, I don't think it would happen. I actually heard an interview with him too, where he said one of the things he's considering is beyond the quarterback is the front, like the organization itself, like the stability of the organization, which basically the, what he said made me think, okay, yeah, he he's not coming for Kevin Stefanski's job, but still an interesting thought exercise. Uh, let's take a break, and then Ashley and I re will get to your questions, and then we'll have Lance Reisland and Picks also still coming up. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Ashley, what do you have? Yeah, so mine kind of builds off of what Mary Kay said in terms of it's the defense, so we're all very um, cohesive here today. So my question is, what are the Browns going to do, if anything, about the front of this defense, particularly the defensive tackles and the linebackers? That silence is everyone just trying to yes. figure out what the answer to this question is. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, one of the things to, to consider is, you know, you have to really take a look at which of these linebackers are going to be back next season and how healthy are they going to be some of them are coming off of pretty significant injuries and I think they're going to need to to look outside of what they have and look outside of their injury list and and try to get some healthy guys in here and and really try to to build strong we heard Joe Woods talk today about the fact that he felt good about the linebacking core and he felt good about the defense heading in uh, because of some of those young shifty linebackers. They expected JOK to really take that big step up this year. And although he got off to a little bit of a slow start, he was really starting to come around. Um, and now, you know, he's got this foot injury. He's got this mid foot sprain and he's in the process of trying to determine if that's going to need a surgery. And if it does need a surgery, you know, it could take a while for him to be back. And then um, a torn quad is nothing to mess around with. Those are hard to come back from. Now, Anthony Walker is young uh, and he should be able to come back just fine from it. But that's a that's a tough little injury to build that to build that muscle back up and to get that strength back uh, in, in that leg. That's not an easy thing to do. And then. Um, the the torn it's a torn pec for wait a minute what is it for Jacob again is it a torn pec for Jacob yeah I, I, torn, yeah, I think that was it yeah it's yeah, a that's, injury that's not that that's not that easy either um, and Sione Taki Taki a torn ACL I mean these are significant injuries right and uh, you know guys usually come back pretty strong from a torn ACL and you can expect that Sione Taki will do do that again he's young 
and those injuries aren't what they used to be 10 years ago. But, um, but still, I think you need to, you know, really take a look at that position. And then you also need to really take a look at defensive tackle and, and see if you don't need to go out there and, and get some enforcer there for the middle, like really somebody that's just going to, you know, nail down that job. And the hard part is, again, that they don't have a first-round pick. And, um, you know, they, they've never traditionally wanted to commit a ton of resources to that position from a financial standpoint. But, um, but yeah, they, they've got to build through the middle of their defense and get this run stopped. So I guess the way I'm looking at it is there's there's some guys I like at lot like JOK, right? He's he's a guy he's not going anywhere. Um I think you've got to re-sign Sione Takitaki and try and get him back on the field. I think he I think he showed you that um this season. So I like those two guys. I would listen to bringing back Anthony Walker if he's healthy. I think he was really valuable for you. So there's like two or three guys in that linebacking core that I'm like, okay. And I, I would imagine they're going to hang on to Jacob Phillips. Now he didn't he didn't play very well before he got hurt, but I would imagine they're they're not going to move on from him. But there's at least three guys there that I'm like, okay, if that guy's back, I'm good with it. I would just blow up the defensive tackle position. Now, I'm not saying like you cut Perry on Winfrey and you know he, he's a rookie. You keep him around. You see what he can turn into. See if he can get things turned around. But I think defensive tackle is just a full on remake. Other than maybe keeping some young guys around to see if they can win jobs. Um, Irie, what are you doing at linebacker and tackle? Starting from scratch, and not entirely where I'm saying I'm cutting everybody, but just kind of take a board and put everybody's name and just kind of just evaluate and go through regarding who I believe could work best and who could not, those, including those that might be injured but have a possible uh, you know, return maybe by or during the next season because, as mentioned, some of these guys showed their value, especially throughout that middle hot part of the season. Taki Taki was not somebody we were speaking about early on. All of a sudden, he was one of, you could say, probably the anchor within that position, especially after uh, Walker went down. So it is kind of interesting because they don't have any first-round picks. But I'm not going to use that as a, as a ploy to say that they can't draft any, you know, solid or, or really good uh, linebackers coming, you know, out of college. Every every Pro Bowl linebacker was not drafted, you know, in, in the first round. So of whatever picks they may have, they can still make good use of that. But it's all, all just really kind of about starting from scratch and understanding, really seeing it differently within, because I think we got, we can agree when it came to constructing this defense, they were looking more so at speed. They weren't they may, may have not been looking so much at intangibles or maybe even IQ in that sense. So it was really about taking what was not invested prior when it came to constructing this defense, especially the, you know, the linebacker position and in, including that this time around. Yeah. So I, actually, I think the starting from scratch thing is sort of, that's sort of what they didn't do this yeah. year. They kind of just moved guys in and, and moved guys up. I, I do th- that. That's sort of where I'm at too, I think, with a few of these positions. I, it's crazy, yeah. but Taki Taki so, might have been the best linebacker. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. no. Um, so first of all, with the linebackers, like, I'm, I'm kind of with you on those three, right? Like, I don't I don't know how good Jacob Phillips is going to be, but, like, they drafted him, so he's probably going to be here, see what he can do next year. I would like, though, from the linebackers, and this is something we haven't exactly hit on, I don't think, but 
this idea that, hey, maybe they are too small and are we going to rethink about how these guys that we have who we like rethink like how they're training and what their goals are? Because I think we've all, one thing we've all noticed is how skinny JOK looked coming in this year compared to last year. That was the big one. But, and I, I think about that quote from training camp that, Dan, I know you and I loved it at the time. And now in hindsight, it's like, oh God, we're, where we talked about how these linebackers looked. And Joe Woods made the comment of, we want them to look like the prey they hunt. And that just really hasn't worked because we've literally seen guys get swung around by backs like Austin Eckler because they like can't tackle them. So I think that's a problem. And then defensive tackle, I'm with you. I, I think. Mary Kay used the perfect word. You've got to get an enforcer in there because these guys just aren't doing it right now. And like you said, if you want to keep some of these guys around and see if they can fight for spots, that's fine. But it just was clear these guys who, you know, they thought took jumps, particularly the Jordan Elliott's, Tommy Togiai, like that just didn't happen. And you can't come into the next season, I think, and rely on these same guys and try to cut corners in this way. I think you have to take the... Just take the L, so to speak, as they say on Twitter. You have to take the L and realize it didn't work and you can't just build a defense without any defensive tackles. Like, not in this league because, yes, they are built to defend these, like, passing offenses and that's what they were going after. But even these passing offenses now are looking at them and saying, you know what, we're just going to run 35 times. Like, it's it doesn't, it it's not working. And I think you have to accept that it's not working and go get somebody better. Okay, last question here, Irie. What have you got? All right, so just before I ask, I just want to double check. It can be about a unit or about a player. It can, it can be. It can be anything. You can. It can be big picture. It can be about the last two games. It can be about okay. Sunday. It can be right. what we're gonna have for lunch tomorrow. Oh man, that's a good <laughs> question. Uh, okay, so just making sure on that. So my question is, how? How does how do I put it? How are the Browns going to construct and go forward with the running back position? We know Nick Chubb has the number one spot in that regard. Kareem Hunt, somebody who wanted out in the pre in, during the preseason because he wanted more money, they want to give it to him. Trade request doesn't go well. They have infamously, not even infamously, they have extremely not used them well at all. Adequately have underused them throughout the season. And I don't even want to use the question of if he has enough love in the tank or not because he's shown that many a times that they have not used him at all. Darius Johnson, who's the third running back within that depth chart, somebody that, that showed up well when Hunt and Chubb were down last season and kept this spot, but they have not used him at all aside from uh, the time, I think, I believe when they when they played uh, the Bengals in the blowout on Halloween night. And then you have a young running back who's a rookie in, in Jerome Ford. Who may not be out there with him taking you know snaps in the run in the running back position, but he's definitely made well when it comes to uh, returning kicks. So how do they construct and go forward with that? Do they cut? Do they trade on? Do they cut Johnson? Do they bring him forward up and you know develop him? How do they do that? Yeah, Mary Kay, I feel like we've sort of been talking about this a little bit this week, just kind of around the facility. Like, how does this running back room look next year? Yeah, I think that um, Kareem will be gone. I think Dearness Johnson will probably be gone. I mean, he wasn't used at all this year. So uh, I think they will move forward with Nick, and I think they will move forward with Jerome Ford. And, um, and then they will, you know, they could add to the pile with, with some younger guys. But 
it just seems like those two guys will be gone unless they're uh, unless something happens from a financial standpoint and they decide to bring them back at a significantly drastically reduced rate. But it just seems like the Kareem Hunt ship has sailed with this organization. And I think he, he knows it. He sees it. I think that, uh, I mean, Dearness probably feels the same way in, in some regards. So, I, you know, I think you're going to see an entirely different running back room. And I think Nick Chubb even alluded to that this week when he talked about, you know, rosters turnover every year. I think, you know, he knows that his best friend Kareem Hunt is probably going to move on after this season. And, um, and it is definitely a changing of the guard at, uh, at running back. Ashley, it's crazy to think about that. I mean, this running back room, it's been together. Like, I don't know. It was the, right. this running game was the backbone of this whole thing. And, and it is going to change. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's like the, in theory, the best running back room in the NFL, the way it was constructed, right? And then Kareem Hunt just hasn't really had the best year for for a lot of reasons. And I do think, like Mary Kay said, everyone's just kind of ready. Both parties are kind of ready to move on. Um, And I think Jerome Ford, man, like, when he showed what he can do in that return game, I think that's like definitely when you felt the tide like turn. And I think he just kind of proved his value in that way. And that's what happens sometimes with these young guys, these late round picks, right? Like they kind of become invaluable on special teams. And then it's like, oh, we got to keep them. Let's see what else they can do. So maybe that's going to be what what ultimately happens with him. I mean, I know we haven't gotten to see him in a ton of offensive snaps this year, but I know like at Cincinnati, he was also good in the pass game for them the last year he was there. So he does have an element of that style of play with him. But I I do just keep going back to, I think it's, if this is how it ends for Kareem Hunt, like I do think it's unfortunate. I think a lot of people, him included, would have liked to see him, you know, potentially finish his career here with his hometown team. I think there were plenty of times and opportunities for the Browns to use him more or use him differently, use him as a safety valve, all those things. Um, but you just see the games this year where he's he struggles to, to kind of find those open holes and, and get make some of those explosive runs um, that we've seen him do. So I do think it's, it's kind of going to look, it's going to look a lot different. Nick Chubb's still going to be Nick Chubb, but it's going to look different behind him. It's, it's just really hard to keep these position groups together, especially when, you know, the running back position is just, it's not one of those positions where you play a bunch of guys. Um, and, you know, we've seen it with Dearness. He just hasn't gotten opportunities. Uh, we've said Jerome's, Jerome Ford's name a hundred times already. His emergence as the returner, like you said, Ashley, is huge. Uh, I actually wonder what it's going to mean for Jakeem Grant moving forward. If, if they want to keep Jerome Ford as the kickoff returner, that's going to be an interesting decision this offseason. But we'll save that question for when we do one of these question pods uh, in the offseason. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. Lance Reisland on the other side will give us a scouting report on the Washington Commanders. I almost forgot who the Browns were playing this week. And then we're going to come back after that, and we will make our picks. Well, we're each going to throw out a prop bet, too. We're not going to throw them around like we usually do, but we'll each make a prop bet and a pick for Sunday's game. And now we welcome on Lance Reisland to give us a scouting report of the Washington Commanders. Lance, how are you? Hey, Dan, how are you? I'm doing well. All right, let's get to it. Carson Wentz is starting this game, not Taylor Heineke. So what's the difference? What 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 does it look like with Carson Wentz and what did it look like with Heineke that you could see? Well, Heineke is going to give you a lot more off-platform type plays. He's going to give you a little bit more improv in terms of if he doesn't see something, he's going to use his feet. 
Um, I think he's a tremendous competitor. That's my favorite thing about watching Heineke for the last couple of years in terms of he, when he plays, he's not, uh, he doesn't have the best arm strength. He doesn't read defenses the best, uh, but I think he makes the big throw and uses his feet at the right times. Um, I think he got better and better and better. Uh, he plays with tremendous confidence. Uh, he seems to be a really good teammate. So those guys really seem to like, you know, to like playing with him, uh, which is a lot to be said. Those guys at the NFL, uh, NFL level, they have to enjoy playing with each other. Carson Wentz has got a tremendous upside. He has since he came out of North Dakota State. He's got a, a, a great – he can make all the throws. Uh, he's a big guy. He's more of a pocket guy. He can use his feet at times. Uh, he has the ability to turn the ball over a ton, which has kind of hurt him in his career. So um, I actually think, you know, coming off not playing in a while, I think it's going to hurt him. Um, I think he- – I thought Heineke – I think Heineke's the quarterback of their future, if you ask me, but um, we'll see what happens. I think Wentz, like I said – doesn't shock me when once plays well though cuz he's got all the tools. Yeah, he's got that big arm. He's you know has some mobility still. Um you know like you said some of it is turnovers, some of it is pocket awareness. It it, it can be tough. But uh regardless, they do have some weapons. Um you know, let's just start with Terry McLaurin. Really fast guy. Uh, I thought a few years ago he was a guy that maybe if he would have been in the right spot, I, I could I could have seen John Dorsey falling in love with those tools. L- came out a little bit older. The, the most prospects, but um, still just a guy that when I watch him fast, competitive, smart, I mean, he's kind of everything you want in a receiver, right? Yeah. He's very good at all three levels. So when I break down a receiver, I always think about, you know, the three, three different types of three different areas. They get to be good at the release, the catch point and after, after catch. And he's really good at all three. Uh, he's really good at the catch point though. He goes up and gets the ball. Uh, he's very hard to jam and press coverage. Uh, like I said, I think he's really good when the ball's in the air, those 50-50 balls, he's very, very good. He has an, uh, uses his body very well. He's kind of like an Amari Cooper in terms of he finds the blind spot. He's a very crafty route runner. Um, I thought he came out of Ohio State very polished. Uh, he had a very good pro day. I really liked him out of Ohio State, too. I thought he had a tremendous upside. Uh, I like Dotson. I thought he was. A, I thought he could have been a great fit for the Browns in the slot. He seems to be doing a lot of that stuff for the Commanders. Uh, he can run all the jet sweep stuff. He's really good on option routes. Uh, he's good on over routes. He's good inside between those safeties. Uh, he's a vertical threat. Uh, I think he's a great route runner. I think he, uh, with him and Samuel, I think they give him a good two and three with McLaurin. Uh, you know, and they have those three tight ends. They do some similar stuff to the Browns. So yeah, uh, McLaurin definitely is the way. But their their receiving core as a whole is pretty good. Yeah, you had mentioned that before we hit record. They look a little bit like the Browns did last year with with 13 personnel. So Browns fans are going to see maybe some familiar things then out of this offense. Well, the thing that worries me as a Browns fan right now is, uh, you know, after watching them and them struggle with the run so much is that they're getting at 13 personnel and Logan Thomas, uh, John Bates and Cole Turner are those three tight ends. Uh, Their left side of the line, Lino and Norwell, I've watched them a lot. and They really struggle in the pass protection. Um, they struggled. Lino really struggled blocking Bosa. He struggled in a number of games. But when those two double and they double a three technique, they are really, really nasty in their doubles, which has been a struggle for the Cleveland Browns. So uh, if the Browns can get them into a passing situation, they're going to be in good shape. If they get in that 13 personnel and run directly at the Browns in that 13 personnel, uh, it could be tough. So the neat thing they do in that 13 personnel is that they're going to insert those tight ends. So they're going to run their zone uh, just like everybody else runs their zone in their duo. And they're going to insert those tight ends to block the linebackers, which allows them to stay on those double teams and not have to get off those double teams. And sometimes you don't get a lot of movement in the double team because 
you're not sure who's going to come off on the linebacker. By them, by them insert, inserting those tight ends to get to the linebackers, they get great movement on those defensive tackles. So there's another big concern for the Browns is that those guys are really good at double teaming, and the Browns are going to have to anchor in there. Okay, let's look at the defensive side of the ball. And, of course, uh, you know, a lot of Browns fans remember Chase Young from his Ohio State days. He has been out for a while, but he was back last week. What, what can you tell me about Chase, kind of how he looked, and then also this defensive front? We got him. He's a, he's a next-level guy. He's a game record when he's healthy. But you got Payne and Ridgeway, Ridgeway being the nose. Uh, you got Allen, Smith, Williams, and Sweat. So they like to play five, a five-man service more than anybody I've seen this year. Uh, they like to play the odd front of that tight front. Uh, a double eagle where they're going to cover both the guards in the center. And that defensive line is as good as it gets in terms of when they are playing at a high level and all playing together. They extend, they take on double teams. Uh, what they, you know, they, they are susceptible to the pass. They had a, a big week. Um, they gave up a lot of pass last week um, to the tight ends. And so they, they are susceptible uh, in the pass a little bit. But up front, they are really, really physical uh, and like I said, they're in an odd front more than I've seen this year, a five-man service, and they're in one high hat more than I've seen uh, from anybody so far this year. So this is going to be our, our first look to kind of see Deshaun Watson in, in a couple weeks in good weather. Uh, and obviously that field is not great in Washington, but, uh, you know, we're, it's not going to be freezing cold. There's not going to be winds everywhere, everywhere. What do you want to see from this Browns offense in this game? Well, I want to see them, first of all, be physical against that odd front uh, on first and second down. So you're going to get a five-man surface. You're going to get seven to eight players in the box. Like I said, they play a one high hat a lot. So um, I want to see some of those vertical throws you get with one high hat. Uh, Kittle last week had six catches for 120 yards. Like I said, they're having trouble covering the tight ends because they're relying so much up front um, of stopping that run, and those linebackers play forward. Uh, In the secondary, you know, Forrest had – their free safety, he's he's not real good in coverage, in my opinion. He's solid, he's aggressive, uh, but he's not great in coverage. So I want to see these. They should be able to be proficient. Um, they're going to have to throw the ball a little bit, in my opinion, because the the commanders just load the box, and they those five guys up front are tough to move. So um, I see some play action early. Uh, I'd like to see them attack over the middle of the field, and, and I'd like to see them attack these corners. Um, they've had some different guys in over the course of the last four to six weeks, so. I think the Browns should have, I think without the weather, the Browns should be very successful passing the ball. Okay, so uh, what's your pick for this game? Well, I, I want to see it from the Browns. I, I, I got to see them play um, with some physicality, and this is about as physical as you're going to get. They're going to have to be real physical on the offensive line. Um, Commander's got a lot to play for. I'm going Commander's 24 17. All right, there you go. Lance Reisland's pick for this game. We're going to take a break uh, when we come back. The rest of us will make our picks for this game. Lance, as always, appreciate the time. Thank you so much for having me. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Thanks, as always, to Lance Reisland for that scouting report on the Commanders. He picked the Commanders to win this game. So let's do this here. We've, we didn't do prop bets last week. I thought let's get back into that since... Look, people are actually going to be able to bet on this game in the state of Ohio. So I'm not saying to take our advice. I actually would not take our advice. Doug would say differently. I would say do not, especially me, do not take my advice. But here are some prop bets and game picks. Who wants to go first? Ashley, did you have one for this? Uh, Yeah, I can go first. The one prop bet, now granted, there aren't a lot of individual prop bets up at DraftKings yet, but I was looking perusing the anytime touchdown scorers uh, 
prop bets. And for some reason, this name just caught my eye. It, Donovan Peoples-Jones plus 300. Are you laughing because you were going to take that, Dan? Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> that was the one that caught my eye, too. So we're both so, going to endorse yes. this one. Donovan yes, Peoples-Jones, anytime both... touchdown. Now, DPJ, and I was kind of surprised surprised looking this up today he does only have two touchdowns this year which did surprise me to see that but then the Browns haven't thrown a ton of touchdown passes so I rethought about it I'm like actually that's not that surprising but you know I think him and Deshaun Watson have that early chemistry going I know Donovan was being hard on himself for not coming down with that catch in the corner of the end zone on that final drive and Deshaun Watson is the kind of quarterback that when guys miss throws like that, uh, he wants to give them another chance. And I think he you see those two talking in the locker room every single day. Their lockers are right next to each other. Um, I just think they've developed a really nice rapport on and off the field. I think he's going to be looking to him in this game. So that's kind of what caught my attention with it. Okay, and then we've got Browns plus – it's plus two and a half, right? I'm not on the, the right page here. Yes, uh, that, I, yes. Browns plus two and a half, and the total is 40 and a half. So what's your game pick for this one, Ashley? So I'm actually going to take the Commanders in this one. This feels like a weird game for me, obviously, in the sense that the Browns don't really have anything to play for. Um, Washington still does. I know there's some discord over there, and Carson Wentz is going to be the quarterback, which I can't wait to hear hear Doug's reaction if he pulls off an amazing game on, on Sunday. Um, but I'm going to go Commanders 21 to 17, and the Browns just sort of fizzle out this year, is my prediction. Okay. So uh, Ashley has the Commanders to cover and the under on that one. I actually, I just came across an anytime touchdown that I actually like in this. So I'm going to, I like the Donovan Peoples Jones one. I'm going to take the Browns defense. Browns defense are special teams. Anytime touchdown score plus 700. I guess this is kind of a bet against Carson Wentz. Like, I feel like he he played well coming in last week off the bench, but you just never quite know what you're going to get from him week to week at this point in his career. So I could envision Miles Garrett, and Carson does not give up on plays. Just does not give up on plays. So there might be an opportunity there for Miles Garrett or if Jadavion Clowney makes it to this game, which we don't know yet. Uh, if that's going to happen as he works through the concussion protocol and now he's dealing with an illness. One of those two could maybe get a strip sack or, or, you know, hit Carson and maybe it turns into a pick six for Denzel Ward, something like that. I mean, Denzel Ward has been right place, right time a bunch of times this year. So I'm going to say Brown's special team or defensive touchdown. And I think this is really weird. I think I'm going to pick the Browns to win this game. And I think it's going to be close. There's just, I don't know why. I'm just going to pick the Browns to win this game. I'm going to say Browns uh, 20, let's see, you said 21-17. So I'm going to say Browns 23, Commanders 20. I think it'll be a close game. And I think the Browns will just figure out a way to win it. And I think Deshaun in good weather is going to look better. Plus, if you score a defensive touchdown, Mary Kay, you've got to win the game, right? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Oh my goodness. This is a hard one to pick. It really is. It's a tough one to pick. I mean, obviously it can go either way any week or most weeks it can go either way. Um, But yeah, you can make a case that the Browns are going to win this game. All right. A prop bet. I'm just making this up because they did not have a lot of individual prop bets, but it's something that's on my mind. Um, Deshaun Watson has only thrown two touchdown passes in his four games. And so, and he's not, had a game where he had more than one in a game. 
So that is my over and under. Can Deshaun Watson throw two touchdown passes in this football game? Now, he would have thrown two touchdown passes against the Saints, but three touchdown passes were dropped in that game. So with it not being minus 16 this week, will the receivers be able to hang on? Will David Njoku be able to make up for and atone for his egregious drop? Will Donovan Peoples-Jones be able to do the same? Will Amari Cooper be able to keep his footing in the end zone? Um, so that's what I'm throwing out there. The over and under uh, for Deshaun Watson touchdown passes at two in this game. I'm going to say push. Mm-hmm. I was going to say push too, Dan. We're on the same page today. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like three is too many for me after <laughs> having two in your first four games. But I could see him get going a little bit and throwing two passes here. I read over under two touchdowns for Deshaun Watson. I'm going to say over, but this is why I'm going to say this because it has no inaugurating his ability or him working off the rust. Actually pertains to Doug's really good point quite early on, which I think is, you know, the right time now to mention it off. Just let it fling. Just let it ride. Just let him go out, do some crazy stuff, play black backer football at this point. You have nothing to lose. You want to talk about working off the rust, you played it kind of safe. Just let him go out. Okay, if you want to throw it 50 times with Washington, so be it. I think that, that I think this is the time to start now, especially against Washington. See if you can spoil their playoff chances. Just let just let it ride. Just let it rip. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the over on this. Mary Kay, what's yours, and then what's your pick in the game? I'm going to go with the push. I think two is about uh, what I think will happen. I think maybe David will get one. Uh, maybe Amari gets one. So, um, so I'm going to go with that. They have a really good defensive front. Chase Young is back. He's going to wreak some havoc. It's not going to be easy, but Deshaun has the mobility to escape from that kind of trouble. Uh, I think he'll make some really nice off-schedule plays out of the pocket. And I think that uh, I think he gained some confidence in that Saints game, knowing that that he could put the team in position to win that game at the end, despite those harsh conditions. So I think he's coming from a place of strength right now and I could see him getting the two TD passes. My pick is Commanders. I don't know why. I don't feel good about it. I'm just um, I'm just picking the Commanders, I think, because I might end up picking the Pittsburgh Steelers to win the season finale, so I, I really didn't want to pick the Browns to lose both of those. I think they'll probably split. Um, so I, you know, I don't know. It's, I think they'll win one and lose one. I'm not sure which it's going to be. But I think I will pick the Commanders to win this one, twenty-four to twenty. That's just both of these teams. Like you can't feel good picking either of these teams. It's completely, right. it's impossible. So with that being said, Irie, prop bet and game pick for us. All right, prop bet. I'm gonna start with prop bet first. I'm gonna go with make this a one regarding Carson with his passing yards. I'm just gonna put an over under of uh, let's say two hundred. Get two hundred passing yards. I'm going and I'm going to go 
with the over, just slightly over on this. I think similar with Watson, bringing Wentz back in, they're going to be heavy pass where they just let, let him just kind of go off. And since even if he makes mistakes and certain you know turnovers happen, as you mentioned, Dan, we're going to gear to somebody creating a turnover, still going to allow him to pass it off. I think majority of the passing yards could possibly happen either in garbage town or some point in the fourth quarter when they just go on for longer longer drives. He just lets it rip in or adds on to his passing yards. So I'm going to put 200 as the mark over under and go slightly over. Mm-hmm. And, and what are you picking for this game? We'll do. Uh, we'll each pick that that prop out here. But what's your game pick? Okay, so th- this one, you know, I say, you know what? I want to. I want to get wacky with it. Playoffs eliminate for playoff contention. I'm going to go with a tie. <laughs> we haven't had a tie picked yet this year. I think we've had a tie picked before, but we have not had one this year. First for everything, I'm going to. <laughs> I'm going to go with a tie of uh, twenty to twenty. Let's. I mean, let's let's be honest. That's what should happen. This game should end in a twenty to twenty tie. I will take the under Carson Wentz passing yards because I think the Commanders might attack this run defense um, a little bit. And and Lance was saying as he heard in the preview. Well, you guys didn't, but I did. Got a little inside info. A lot of thirteen personnel for the Washington Commanders. So that's coming back. I'll take the under on two hundred. Ashley, what about you? I'm going to take the under too. Now that I know. Now that I also have that inside. <laughs> information from Lance. I'm not taking over when the team uses a ton of 13 personnel. And it's like, it's Carson Wentz. Like, I don't, I don't know. That hasn't been the recipe as I wrote about today to attack this defense. It's been on the ground. Their passing defense has improved compared to the first part of the season. Um, And their run defense is just as bad as it was early in the year. They're averaging, giving up over 130 rushing yards per game. So if I'm the commanders, that's what I'm doing. Mary Kay over under 200 for Carson Wentz. Yeah, I don't know why I'm feeling over a little bit. Not a lot over, just, again, slightly over, uh, like Irie is saying. Uh, just a little bit over. Again, he had uh, 124 yards. He came out hot. He came off that injury, that broken right ring finger, hot against the uh, the 49ers defense, which we know about their defense. Uh, and he ended up... Uh, completing 12 of 16 attempts for 123 yards and a touchdown in the fourth quarter of that 37 to 20 loss to the 49ers. That doesn't mean that he's going to get over 200 for sure, but it just seems like, you know, maybe he's got fresh legs. Maybe he's pretty motivated to make sure he keeps that job away from uh, Taylor Heineke. Uh, He does have some really good receivers. Uh, So I'm going to say, I'm going to say over. I just realized I said at the top that Doug was not on the pod because he's covering Ohio State. You know why Doug is not on this pod, right, Mary Kay? No. He hasn't paid up on the poster bet. Oh, that's right. That's the real reason. Our longtime listeners will remember, but he made a poster bet with Ellis Williams before Ellis left, of course, that, was it last year, Mm -hmm. that Carson Wentz would win more games than the Browns. And if that happened, he would put a poster up of Carson Wentz behind him holding a dead deer. (laughs) Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to make you a bet. And if the Colts finish with a better record than the Browns, I will hang a poster in my house that says, I love Carson Wentz. And it can be like a shot of him like out leaning against a fence, shirtless with a deer over his shoulder, a dead, bloody deer. 
Didn't one of our texters even like draw up, create, yes. graphic design a poster? I might have it on my computer somewhere. Yeah. Wait, qu- quick question. Like him being a part of a, a team with more wins than the Browns or him contributing to the win because he's only I, I think it started regular he's, there's only been he's only had contributed to two wins of their we're, t- so we're talking seven. we're talking about last year though this was when he was in uh, Indianapolis okay all right. Oh, bet, right no. it was last year I think and the bet was yes. that Carson Wentz would win more games than the Browns would they, they finished I think nine and eight right Indianapolis yeah. last year yeah like yeah. they missed the playoff yeah it was great job so, Doug we know Doug we know we haven't forgotten I guarantee you that Ellis has not forgotten <laughs> um, at some point you will pay up on this bet. Okay, that's going to do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and also on YouTube. Search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com uh, if you want to listen to these uh, on our YouTube channel. There's other stuff there too. Uh, we do daily stand-ups. There's practice videos. There's, there's press conference videos, all sorts of stuff there. So you should subscribe to that channel anyway. And also become a Football Insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get sent up. One of our texters said we were blowing up his watch today with texts. So that's what you're missing out on if you're not a Football Insider subscriber. Uh, For Ashley, Mary Kay, Irie, I am Dan, also for Lance. Thanks for listening, everybody.